Welcome to the Clay Young Show. Well, here we are, the week of Smoke em If You Got Them, the third annual event benefiting military veterans here in Baton Rouge. And we are proud to do it again. Clay Young here with Orlando, and this will be your second Smoke em. Yes, sir. I am pumped. I, I am as well. It looks like, knock on wood, looks like we're going to have <laughs> decent weather. For the event, it didn't really matter going in because we were going to do it anyway, but it looks like we're going to have very decent weather. And man, there's going to be so much going on at this event. I can't believe it's already Sunday. I feel like we've been just started planning (laughs) it like the beginning of the year. So the title sponsor again is Orion Instruments. That's Don Sanders and his team over at Orion. And we're hosting it, obviously, at Ben 77 Bistro in Perkins Row in Baton Rouge. Which apparently has the best steak in Baton Rouge. Well, yes, they absolutely do have the best steak. And you know recently because you because had... Because I tried you, it. <laughs> you devoured half of one yesterday. Delicious. Uh, and saved the other half. But no, <laughs> and, and you know, that's an interesting point because... This year, the kitchen's going to be open. Yes. So, you know, we'll have desserts there, you know, p- things to snack on as you're moving around, and we'll get into some of what's going on there. But if you say, you know what, I want to order something to eat, well, they're going to have you a specific menu well. for that day. Well, that's apparently what he says, but we'll see what happens on that day. <laughs> you know, I generally go places and order what I yes, want. So, yes, sir. We uh, know that. But, but it's, it's going to be a, a very, very great occasion. We've told you that this year we're benefiting the Chris Kyle Frog Foundation. The nonprofit named in honor of Chris Kyle, run by his widow, Taya, and they're a fabulous team there. Michelle Burr is going to be in town. Samantha is going to be here. Right. And so let's talk about what's going to happen at Smoke'em. Now, tickets are $100. The doors open at 4. The event starts at 5. The bar, yeah. The bar will be open at 4. The, there'll be live music there. 4.30. For the event. And we will also have patriotic pastries. So we're, we're, and everybody's going to get a chance to meet Chris. She is phenomenal at what she does. And so she's doing these little miniature mom's apple pies. And she's got these uh, red, white, and blue cakes. Oh, yeah, you told me about the red velvet. That's the one I'm eyeing out. (laughs) So she's going to have a lot of those. Uh, Jameson is going to be there. In fact, I met a couple of the reps who work with Jameson yesterday. One of them came to the event last year because Jameson did it last year. She right. is not sure she's going to make it because she just had another kid, oh, wow. she, she said yesterday. But Jameson's going to be there. They're going to do Jameson Old Fashions. So they're going to have all of that going on. And of course, you get a cigar. You get a cigar provided by CLE a cigar company by way of Don Juan Cigar Company here in town. Justine Stewart and her fabulous Superstar. team over there. She is a rock star. And we're going to have custom boxes, custom smoking boxes for the event. It's going to be so great. And that's not all. This year, we have got a list of auction items that we're going to have. Now, we're having both a silent auction right. and a live auction. Some of the items on the silent auction include a YA Tittle autographed LSU jersey, a Tyron Matthew jersey, the Honey Badger, a Drew Brees signed New Orleans Saints jersey. Can't go wrong with that. Uh, well, you know, Joe Montana, Joe Montana probably will be better, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, Terry Bradshaw. <laughs> 
Shaw's <laughs> autographed jersey. Just kidding there. Patrick Peterson, who went to LSU, his autographed his autographed football helmet is going to be there. Oh, wow. A Nolan Ryan signed baseball. A Kenny Chesney signed acoustic guitar. A Lee Bryce signed acoustic guitar. A Rat Pack limited edition bottle of wine with deluxe toolbox. And that's not even half the list. I mean, we have a lot of items. We're going to have uh, coolers there to bid on. Good it's going to be hardware. something for the ladies. Let's not forget, a- a- let's not forget the ladies. Not so. forget the ladies. So we've got, let's see, we've got necklaces, we've got bracelets, Pearl. we've got pearls, pendants. Uh, gosh, some of the there things on here. Things, there are lots beautiful. of things that ladies would recognize if I named them. Uh, I, Obviously, you don't. I know. don't know what they are, right. but I can tell you, ladies are going to like them, and we're going to bid on them. We've got a, we've got auction items that that start at, at as low as fifty bucks, and some that go up as high as five hundred dollars. Speaking of which, we've got two tickets to Cigar Aficionados' big event in Vegas, the Big Smoke event in Vegas. It's a three-day convention where you go out, there's food, there's uh, there, there are beverages, adult beverages, and cigars for as far as the eye can see. We're giving away, not giving away, we're auctioning away two tickets to one uh, night. You can choose one night. So if you want to get a quick trip to Vegas, fly in on Friday, enjoy the Big Smoke on Saturday, Saturday, come back Sunday, you can do it. Thanks to the folks at Cigar Aficionado and my buddy David Savona for giving us those tickets. And uh, we will have that with us at the event. Dennis Dennis Lashua. Oh, yes. Who does great work with hunting trips. Big, big events for sales teams. We're going to be auctioning off trips to hunting lodges. We've got these big coolers that we're going to be auctioning off. You know, we're way ahead of hunting season. And so you'll have a chance to bid on some of that. Let's see. What are we leaving out? Um, the coolers, you said. Said so the coolers. Goodwood Hardware is giving us a cooler. I think I said. Bobby's going to be doing the flags. Yeah, you know? that's. Thank you so much, Bobby D'Angelo with the Just Cause Flag Organization. He's going to be doing flags. So we have a flag, as you know, hanging in our lobby here at CYE, and Bobby is going to have flags there for you to bid on. All of the money for. Uh, those flags will go to one of six organizations. Right. I spoke with the district attorney, Hiller Moore, yesterday. Hiller He's is planning on being there, and he says he wants one of those flags. Uh, met with Garrett Graves last week, uh, Congressman Garrett Graves. He's planning to attend as well. Uh, spoke with Adam Knapp. He's going to try to get there. Adam is the head of the Baton Rouge area chamber. And listen, we're hoping for a great, great crowd. If you're listening to this podcast, Please spread the word. It's very important. This is something we do every year. Thanks to our buddies Frank Gumpert and uh, Scott Overby. Scott's at Doze. Frank is at uh, U Club. Chris Alexander, who hates to be left out. You know, <laughs> you know, I can't help that, brother. Uh, all of us working together locally here. We're trying to do more events, and we've kind of partnered on Smoke'em. As we record this, Don Sanders and I are going to do Channel 9 oh, yes. on uh, the Friday before Smoke'em. So if you're hearing this on the weekend, you will have missed it already so Don's <laughs> ready you know something about him I didn't know what? until yesterday I think he said for 30 years he has worked as a football referee oh, at wow. like high school games or whatever like American football Amer- or the real football no American football you know the real football oh, uh-huh. okay. uh, so let's just clear <laughs> that up that's a debate for another day <laughs> I always have to hear about real football versus American football but no Don is Don that's is awesome. not, I don't know where he finds the time to do that stuff oh, he's super busy <laughs> running a big company and 
Uh, but he's a good Old guy. So he's looking forward to being there. And I think we got everything. I don't think we left anything I else. I mean, it's just a great event supporting great organizations. And everyone who comes to the event will get these patriotic armbands that we're already sporting uh, that say, God bless the USA. We're going to have it for every person who comes into the event. We hope to run out of them. We have so many people there. Hopefully. And uh, just again, the title sponsor is Orion Instruments in association with Guarantee Broadcasting. Got to say a word about Gordy and Adrienne and the team at Guarantee for how great they've been with the interviews and running the promo. They've been wonderful. And so Gordy's going to be out there. Anna's going to be there. You know, Anna's birthday is coming up. Oh, yeah. so we should definitely have her on the podcast she, then. She, absolutely. She said she might Give need to us, Uber out of uh, <laughs> Well, smoke, get us some samosas. <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure. Mimosas, that's for sure. And so uh, Pest Stop, Do-It-Yourself yes. Pest Control, John, John. Conroy. We've, also, we've already mentioned uh, Ben77 and Don Juan and CLE. And, so, and of course us. And of course, the great team at <laughs> CYE. Our slogan is, we'll make you look good. Well, they make me look good. <laughs> Carla, Orlando, Sash is going to be there working the event. James, the Poker Man will oh, be there. Oh, Poker Man. Kelly will be there. And, and listen, we're hoping to have a great time. It's such a short event. I mean, it's like from four to seven, people hang around a little longer. Yeah. But there's so much that goes on in that little amount oh, of time. Oh, definitely. I feel like time flies and it's like already eight, nine o'clock. We're like, wow. <laughs> That's exactly there right. There you go. <laughs> so there it is, folks. The third annual Smoke em If You Got Them fundraiser is taking place this Sunday, May 15th at Ben 77 Bistro in Perkins Row. Now, uh, you're going to hear a promo about that, uh, voiced mostly by Taya Kyle, the, the widow of Chris Kyle, the American sniper. Yeah. But before I get to that, I want to talk about last week's show with E. Eric Gerard. Oh. I've heard so I've, I've gotten feedback from well, people on it. was controversial. It was very controversial. And apparently I've heard that Gordon McKernan, who was the subject of some of E's ire last uh-huh. week, didn't care for some of the things that he <laughs> said. So I'm going to call him and invite him onto the podcast. Why not? I am. I mean, it's it's it, it's a we platform. Just a conversation. That's all it is. And so I am going to call him today to see if he's interested in coming in. On, Let's do it. And uh, we'll report back. <laughs> Up next, you're going to hear from Lieutenant Johnny Dunham with the Baton Rouge Police Department. He's in their public information office. He, Don Coppola, and Elgene Gino McNeely were here at the office last week. And we got a chance to sit down and talk about the relationship between law enforcement and the community. We talk a little bit about the future for Lieutenant Dunham, who's a very good guy. We were a part of their awards banquet. This yes. was the fourth or fifth time I've done it. First time you've been Attended, there. right. And I think you can talk about some of the stories. Oh Amazing stories, gosh. right? I mean, just the one specifically with the child just broke un- my heart. Unbelievable. I mean... Unbelievable. And so uh, we speak with him about what's happening at PD. You will hear that. Just the things they have to deal with. Oh, Honestly, people don't realize. And it's they don't like realize it. When you hear that, it it makes you think twice about before, you know... Criticizing every police officer. Correct. Now, still to come on the show in the coming weeks, we sat down with the team from Murphy, Sam, and Jody. Oh, yes. On uh, 96.1 The River. Fun. It was fun. <laughs> we sat down with all three and two other members of their team. Uh, we also have an interview with, with I was going to say Lieutenant Colonel, he's a full bird now, Colonel retired Colonel David Cuvion. And he talks about his time in the military. He talks about the war in Iraq. And we I have think some good go- shows oh, coming my up. Goodness. We have some good shows coming so up. So it's going to be great. And hopefully we'll get Gordon McKernan on and we can yeah. talk about uh, <laughs> his beef with E, the E guarantee. 
All right, up next, the Baton Rouge Police Department. You're listening to The Clay Young Show on... Podcast225.com. Hi, I'm Taya Kyle. I'm so happy to announce that the third annual Smoke Em If You Got Em fundraiser will be benefiting the Chris Kyle Frog Foundation. This year's event will take place on Sunday, May 15th at Bin 77 Bistro in Baton Rouge. And the title sponsor is Orion Instruments. That's Sunday, May 15th at Bin 77 Bistro in Baton Rouge. Doors open at 4 and the event starts at 5. You can buy tickets online at chriskylefrogfoundation.org or you can buy them at the door. Promote your business or organization on Podcast225.com. Podcast225.com is quickly becoming a weekly tradition for Louisiana listeners. Every month, thousands hear the weekly Clay Young Show. Every week, Clay sits with some of the state's most fascinating and entertaining people. Posting your company's logo on the Podcast225.com website or having a professionally produced commercial air on The Clay Young Show is a great way to access a loyal and informed audience. Get more information by calling 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Welcome back to The Clay Young Show. Back with Lieutenant Johnny Dunham with the Baton Rouge Police Department, specifically in their public information office there. And, boy, you've been busy (laughs) lately here. First up, uh, before we get to now, let's talk about it at the beginning because I always enjoy this. Becoming a police officer, uh, when did you get bitten by the bug? Uh, Actually, I wasn't really interested. I was at LSU. I was in political science. And um, I, I was looking for a job, um, and I was a lifeguard during the summer, and summer job had ended, and um, Lieutenant Sid Newman, who was over our crime yeah. stoppers division, yeah, was, a, yeah. was, a, was a family friend of, of mine, and uh, he was looking for somebody to come into the crime stoppers office to, um, I guess, take tips um, and pass those tips on to the detectives. And, and you deal with funds and money and issues, so he wanted somebody he felt like he could trust, I think, in there. And so he um, he spoke to my mother, who was actually the uh, secretary of the chief of police uh, for years, uh, since Howard Kidder was the chief, and uh, asked if I might be interested in, in, in joining the department through our cadet program, which yeah. was a program we had when you were like 18 to 21, you could go through and uh, you were kind of worked in a support role for police officers. You didn't carry a gun or anything. You weren't a, you were not a post certified police officer. And I, I went through the uh, uh, through that program. Uh, continued to attend school during the day, and he kind of wanted somebody at night because the Crime Stoppers segment aired on the news mm-hmm. at, at uh, ten o'clock, and so he wanted somebody to be there to answer the phones after and take those tips. So. That's kind of how I got my foot in the door. I never thought I'd be a police officer. Uh, but that, that's where the bug bit me. Uh, you're receiving those tips through Crime Stoppers um, and actually uh, sending those tips or walking down the hall to the detective office and giving them the tips and then seeing what they did with that information, um, that they would go out and make arrests and actually felt like I was kind of making a difference uh, yeah. in the community. And, and I guess that's where that bug actually bit me. Um, and I decided... I had a decision to make when I turned 21, either quit the cadet program or become a police officer and go through the police academy. And uh, that's what I did. So, and how long have you been uh, with PD? 27 years, about 27 and a half years now. 27, almost 28 years. And I think about, I come from a generation where 
police officers were revered and in some parts of, of communities around the country it still exists but not as much as it used to police officer was a celebrity when he walked in or she walked into a school or you, you saw them out and about it, the, the cars were mysterious because there were so many gadgets and it wasn't even the lure of the gun quite frankly you didn't think about that it was just kind of the authority figure i, I think it was a, a fear thing yeah. in the past i think people f- feared law enforcement yeah. and, I, and i think it, that's that's kind of had to change yeah over the years but I see think. i but, but for me you know coming out of you know the 70s the 80s I, it was different I, I never really had that fear i guess when i started driving you, you never want a police behind you <laughs> if you're going to get a ticket or something right. but i never really had it um you know, I, I cared so much about not getting into trouble because I didn't want to cause my my mother any grief because the grief she would cause me would be a hell of a lot worse. And so it didn't exist. But nowadays, what is your feeling about police being in this narrative that exists in so many places? Well, I, I, it's an unfortunate narrative for police officers. Sure. I mean, the vast majority of the officers on the department are, are great officers. Um uh, they do their job. They go out every day. They deal with some some circumstances that obviously anybody would would cringe or uh, it, it would get to them. A lot of the scenes and things that they have to go to. Um, but I think that police officers have to, I guess, reach out to the community a little bit more nowadays than they did in the past. I think um, police officers have been stuck inside vehicles riding through neighborhoods, not stopping and talking to the individuals that they're policing in their, their zones. Um, I, I know everybody talks about community policing, and, and that has changed. Um, you'd be surprised. I, I think most people look at the news and all the things that go on today, and they feel like crime has increased this enormous amount. But uh, over the last 24, 25 years, Crime has actually gone down. I mean, right. Violent crime has steadily decreased over the years, and a lot of that has to do with the changes in policing and police tactics. And explain and, some of those. What what are those changes? Well, I think you've had different theories. You've had like broken windows theory, um, where officers go into an area mm-hmm. uh, and they they cite people for minor offenses, and and eventually. From citing those minor offenses, it it helps the community uh, realize that, you know, they need to fix the windows. They need to, uh, a lot of this has to do with ordinances, too, that the city has uh, in cleaning up certain areas. And once the community gets pride in that particular area, um, you start to notice a change. Mm -hmm. And then the officers also getting out and meeting the community. Um, I know Chief Dabity has has kind of uh, required officers to, adopt schools and in, in the areas that they're in yeah and uh, i think that's it's made a big difference as far as how the uh youth looking at the the officers on a daily basis in the schools talking to them the officers uh you know on a friendly level maybe purchasing coats for the kids or or, or, or helping them pay for a lunch whatever it may be that they they see these kids that have a needs and they try to fulfill those needs and uh, the kids get to see the officers in a different light they get to see them as human beings you know, it's interesting. The media is such a large part of the societal narrative that exists in general, including social media. <laughs> uh, the public is more interconnected now than maybe at any other time that we could ever recall. There was a time where if you wanted to know what had happened, you had to watch the six or 10 o'clock news or wait for tomorrow's newspaper. Now, if something happens at one thirty-seven, 
by about 1.38, there's a tweet that's everywhere instantaneously. So how does that how does that play into what you do, making certain that the right information is gotten right. to the public? Well, we I guess we've just started our um, I guess our social media pages. Uh, actually, we just started our Facebook page uh, February of last year, uh, which is something that probably needed to have been done much sooner. Uh, but law enforcement is resistant to change in a lot of ways. Why? And, why, why do you say that? Well, I, I, I guess it's I guess it's just the the fact that law enforcement officers uh, like to just like the military. I would say we're kind of a paramilitary organization. We have a rank structure. Um, officers get kind of set in their ways and how they do things. And um, I, I think you have to look at society and see how it changes and evolves and you have to stay in front of that. And I think for years law enforcement hasn't done that. So, uh, I think implementing the social media page, which was actually needed a great deal because it allowed us to kind of change the narrative. How? Um, well, a lot of times we, in the past, we would send out stories of officers doing positive things to the, to the media, to the news stations or to the advocate or wherever. And if, they didn't feel like it was newsworthy. Um, but when we post things, I got you. When we post <clears throat> things on social media, Facebook page, yeah. um, specifically, we're able, um, you know, if it goes viral, we've had posts that have gone viral and, 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 you know, gone all over the country where Fox news and national news, uh, organizations have called us to do stories on specific things that we've posted. And that forces the local media uh, to, to cover it have as to well. pay attention they have to pay yeah attention. well you know I have done the uh, police department's awards banquet four or five times in the last few years yep. and I often see stories in the scripts that are sent that I had not heard before right. and it's so interesting <clears throat> I did as we record this I did your event on a Thursday yep last <laughs> Thursday and I didn't no, until a few weeks ago that I had agreed to MC a scholarship gala for kids. Everybody loves my fee. I don't know why that <laughs> well, is. That's because it's, it's free, nothing. That's we right. Can it, huh? That's right. <laughs> so I'm there the next night and I'm hosting it. And one of the officers who, uh, one of the two officers who saved the gentleman who had collapsed on the treadmill at a local YMCA, he was there. So I see him. And I have him stand up because I wanted to acknowledge him. And I tell the story and everybody's like, what? The, the room is yeah. a buzz with it. It's like people never heard that. Right. And I said to him, man, it's got to be interesting to you to see people's reaction, never having heard a story like that, yeah. that I think is a big deal. Yeah, it, it happens almost daily. I mean, there's stories. A lot of times the officers uh, don't want it publicized. They don't want things out there of, of you know, their heroic actions or their their um, you know kind generous actions um but having the social media account and and seeing uh being able to post those things uh, i think it helps the public to understand that police officers are much more than just law enforcement yeah so let's talk about some of what's happening here in this town i know there are things you can't get into but you know nationally there is this dialogue about the relationship between police departments and young black men. Okay. And I think a lot of the discussion is often hijacked by emotion, right? Yeah. And dealing with what reality exists, I think is probably the only way to bring about a solution when people are 
level-headed, and honest with one another. Right. So first, your reaction to that narrative that's been spinning and growing in momentum for the last two years, and then how that impacts what you do here in uh, Louisiana's capital city. Well, I I think, obviously, personally, coming from a police perspective, I I think the the narrative is unwarranted, really unfounded. Um, I think the the media likes to push that narrative Mm -hmm. because it sells papers. It it gets them clicks on their website. It gets them hits on their social media accounts. But why is it unfounded? Well, I I think as a percentage, um, I think if you look, and I know us – Specifically, I worked in internal affairs for 15 years. <laughs> You've uh, had all the fun jobs over there. <laughs> yeah. huh? um, you look at the number of complaints that we receive, especially use of force complaints. And mm-hmm. we do every four or five years, we do a use of force study. Every single time uh, an officer basically puts hands on an individual, he's required to fill out a use of force report. Right. Um, that use of force report breaks down what force the officer used. A copy of that report is sent to internal affairs. The internal affairs investigator reviews, or supervisor actually, reviews that use of force report and then pulls up any video from that use of force report to make sure that it coincides with what the officer stated happened. Um, So there's checks and balances that that the department has had and has had for years um, to make sure that we we get rid of officers who obviously abuse their authority and use excessive force. Um, But statistically, uh, I think it turned out that the Baton Rouge Police Department uses force in like, I want to say it was two-tenths of 1% of calls for service, which is actually below the national average for cities our size. Um, if you look at um, San Antonio, uh, I think it was actually Seattle, San Antonio, and there was several other cities, some bigger, some smaller than ours, um, with the latest study that we did. Now, this last study was in 2009, so we're probably due for a new study pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you look at that, that study, the number of use of force complaints or force reports that are filled out by officers compared to the calls for service, it's, it's, it's a very small percentage. And that's usually true around the country. Sure. Um, and, and also, if you look at statistics on officer-involved shootings, a lot of times you'll see that um, you, the public, I know the media likes to portray it as every time, um, you know, there's an officer, there's so many officer involved shootings, uh, involving citizens across the country and whether it be a white or a black issue, right. the majority of the time it's, it's an officer and a white officer shooting a, a, a white individual. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, statistics really, and I know a lot of people say they can be skewed, but if you look at the statistics, you bear down into the numbers and you look at use of force, especially in Baton Rouge, uh-huh. um, it, it's very rare that an officer uses force. And usually that force is justified. And I'm not going to say on, on every instance. I mean, I work cases in internal affairs over that 15 years where officers were terminated, where officers were uh, sent to the Justice Department for civil rights violations, uh, where they were convicted of civil rights violations and spent time in federal penitentiary. So I think we do a good job of of weeding out the officers because all that does, whenever you allow an officer that's out there, if he is uh, abusing his power, abusing his authority, uh, what that does is that it's going to hurt 
the good officer that sure. comes by later. Sure. If you've got an officer that's going to pick on an individual and, and, and abuse that person, uh, the next time a good officer comes around on that street corner or wherever to stop and talk just to say, hey. They've got to overcome that other overcome, impression. That's right. And that, yeah. you know, so it, it's better. And, I, and most officers, uh, obviously, most officers would agree that they would prefer to get rid of those officers. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, that, that, I guess that uh, blue wall of silence that people say is, is not, I haven't seen that working in internal affairs for 15, 15 years. I've seen officers that have come yeah. forward and said, no, that what that officer did was wrong. You know, I've spoken to a number of officers and I've spoken to the chief about body cameras, and I've, I've not found anybody who said, oh, God, no, we can't have that. We don't want to do that. You know, I've never heard that. Um, I just haven't. And I mean, even in conversations where I think people could be honest with me and say they didn't like it and tell me why. But no one to a person has said oh, we don't have a, everyone has said we don't have a problem with it. I just think the perspective is. And for me, the question is always it's technology. Technology advances really quickly. Yeah. Um, the cost of the servers and other issues have been kind of what's been the, the stumbling block as far as us getting everybody equipped with cameras. Yeah. And we're still going through the process right now. But it's not a fix-all. No, in no. Other wo- and, and, and in other words, do officers, because I wonder about this, do officers feel like their credibility isn't trusted and so people will take the video on a camera or provided by a camera more than that man or woman you know, being honest, you know, and saying what happened. I don't know if I'm asking the question in a clear enough way. What you're saying, I think with the perception that the media, I guess the narrative that the media has portrayed officers in, I I do think people are less likely to trust officers and their word than they used to 20 something years ago. I think you'd go in uh, in the court and sit on the stand and, and usually what you said, the the jury believed. Sure. I don't think that that's the way it is now. I think the jury wants more. They want to see um, the videotape or they mm-hmm. want to know that there's DNA evidence. You know, the, these things that they see on TV, some of them unrealistic, some of them sure. very realistic. Most of them, I think, are unrealistic. <laughs> I mean, it's television. Right, right. But, uh, yeah, I do think that that ha- officers are going to have to use these cameras, and this is it's going to be something that the public ex- expects and demands uh, anytime there's that use of force incident. Uh, I think the, the public is going to want to see that video. And I, I think officers feel like it's a protect, it's a protection for them. I, I haven't heard any officers yeah. uh, saying they don't want the cameras. Right. And just for the record, for people listening, and there's a lot of chatter about the Earth Day incident and all that's, that, that went on then. Uh, as we sit and record this, that stuff is still under investigation, yes. and that's why we're not going to talk about it. So if you happen to catch this after a conclusion has been met, then maybe we can come back and talk about it. But as we sit here right now, right. you can't talk about it. Right. You know, uh, so because I'd love to ask you about it, but, <laughs> no, but that's the way it works. Uh, do you run into an attitude? Because, you know, at the awards ceremony, there were men, women, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, all kinds of people in the room uh, who wear the Baton Rouge mm-hmm. Police Department uniform. It's it's not just a group of old white guys with badges right. and guns in that room. Right. Do you run into that being the perception that the the, defar- the department is not diverse? And and to be yeah, honest, and, I have a member of my family who is a woman who is a member of the Baton Rouge <laughs> Police Department. Yeah, 
in the past, the department was not diversified. Yeah, uh, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you; it it, do, it did not reflect the, the community in which it policed. Yeah, um, today uh, it's more diversified. I still sure. think that obviously more needs to be done. Uh, but how? Well, you can't make people become no, police officers if they don't want to. We can't, but we do try recruiting wise to recruit. Uh, in areas and even like recently with our cops and clergy program we try to talk to the ministers that are out there sure if you know young men in your church or you know young men in your community that you think would be a good public servant would Mm -hmm. be a good police officer Mm -hmm. please send them our way Um, because it does the media's perception uh, that narrative that police are are bad in a community does hurt us in recruiting because you know that young african-american man's not going to want to apply it to a department that he feels, you know, is, is either in some way harming his community sure. or unjust. So, so what are you doing about that on the streets with inner city communities here? Well, I think that's our, our recruiting Talking office. to the clergy, right. Yeah, talking to the clergy members that are going through cops and clergy. Yeah. They also are recruiting uh, at different, you know, whether it be at Southern University or other colleges and, mm-hmm. and, and high schools uh, that are in those communities to try to, you know, we've been showing up at different community events. Um, What's the reaction you guys get when it's actually positive when you're there? Yeah. Um, You actually get a a lot, a lot of um, people who are interested in in becoming Baton Rouge police officers. Uh, We've, we've had a, I guess more difficult time recruiting right now too, as well because of, um, the state police has gotten large raises. Yeah, I saw um, that. Saw over that. The last sure, that year. played so, over well over at PD when uh, so you saw those raises. We used to say we used to have a, a, a police officer exam, which is the first step you take to become a police officer. Yeah, the civil service test. We used to have four hundred people apply for that exam for say a. 20, 30 man academy. Mm-hmm. Now, I think the chief said the last uh, test we offered, we had 70 people apply. So it, it's become an issue. I yeah. Mean, obviously, you want to recruit the best and you want to have a, a large pool to recruit from so that you sure. can uh, recruit the best. Uh, but as far as the diversity issue, um, we, we've been pretty successful. I know the last four or five academies we've had. I think the last one we just graduated, um, I, I want to say that there were um, out of 20-something uh, graduates, 18 were were minorities, um, either African-American, uh, Hispanic, or, yeah. fe- or females. Yeah. And so it, I think over the last several years, we've, we've been able to diversify our department a lot more than we have in the past. And, and I think um, the city limits of Baton Rouge is – um, I guess fifty something percent African American, yeah. and we want to, you know, we want our department to reflect that. During the summer months, when kids are out of school and there is a lot of free time, and, and the temperature is warmer outside, and there tends to be a spike in trouble, uh, that's I, I, I'm I volunteer with a couple of groups, and I serve on the the board of one of the YMCA's now, and we go out of our way to get these kids, bring them in, and give them a constructive use of their energy and their time. What are you guys doing along that line? Uh, last year, the chief started what we call our Cops Care Kid, Kids Camps. And uh, what we do is we, we partner with the uh, Young Leaders Academy. Uh, Tanya Robertson over there has been great. Yeah. She's, she, <laughs> she's really been wonderful in helping us organize these kids camps that we have. And uh, it gives those kids an opportunity to come and meet police officers. Um, you know, the police officers will show them 
you know, the motorcycles, the mounted patrol, the right. crime scene, right, right, uh, van, the helicopter. They get they get to to, to interact with the officers and kind of kind of gives them, like I said. But that helps when kids can see that and answer oh, questions and sit does. in the car and the, and the helicopter, especially because yeah. hell, I haven't even been up in the helicopter yet. I got to work <laughs> on that, Gino. That's so. <laughs> that's funny. I haven't I haven't been up in it either. I'm, <laughs> I'm not not real fond of <laughs> no. uh, of flying. Period. Really? So. Oh man, nah, I do. But so, talking about policing in this new millennium and the way that it works, how has it changed? So you've been there long enough to see the pre cell phone camera era, <laughs> and now you live yeah. in an era where you're being recorded from the moment you engage somebody to the end of it. You know, how does that change? tactics or policies or whatever whatever well i I think i think the officers have to you know be on their their p's and q's they have to understand that you cannot uh rule with fear you cannot demean people you can't um be disrespectful that you always should be respectful you're you're a civil servant Mm -hmm. And, and and a lot of officers forget that i think they they need to understand that that they're to serve the public and I think with, and I'm not just talking about the changes in video and everything else that's changed policing over the years. Obviously, uh, one of the biggest changes has been DNA uh, as yeah. far as, as yeah. helping us um, clear cases. I know I worked in burglary for years in the early 90s, and, uh, you know, there would be a go to a scene of a burglary where somebody had broken out glass and there'd be blood on the ground, and and there was really nothing you could do with it. Sure. I mean, <laughs> There's blood, but right. there's, there's no, we would dust for fingerprints, but that would be about it. Um, nowadays, or they get DNA hits from contact DNA off of burglary scenes all the time. I mean, saliva, uh, hair, yeah, well, just, just everything. Just, you know? Yeah, just touching, yeah. Uh, you know, leaves that, that yeah. DNA. Yeah. And officers now bring swabs and swab it at yeah. burglary scenes, and they get hits. Yeah. Uh, which would have been nice. My clearance rate in burglary probably would have been higher. <laughs> Came along too early, man. Yeah. You know, go, what about for you? Where, where do you want this ride to go next? <laughs> uh, well, ah, I mean, hopefully I'll uh, make, I'll make I, captain before Hang on a second. Long, I, I saw but... that big hedge come up right there. Hang on. Let me get out my weed eater and cut it down. So, <laughs> that, so, you're going to listen to Gino and Don uh, over there. No, 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 no. You know, I've been doing this a while uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, where do you know, obviously you want the rank to happen, make captain, but, but you know, I I think in any profession, you obviously want to reach the pinnacle of that profession. Police chief. uh, Well, possibly. Well, they don't have an emperor over the police department. The title is police chief. So is that something you want to do one day? I've I've taken the test in the past. So, you know, I, I, I guess I've been around chiefs of police pretty much my whole life. Uh, so yeah, I guess it is something that I aspire at some point to, to read. You know, so any question I ask you after this point is going to be misconstrued. No, no, no. It's going to be misconstrued by anybody as, you know, he would do that. Cause I'd love to ask you about things like that, but I know how media works. And if I go there, <laughs> it's going to be, you know, misconstrued. So I won't, but I will go here. When you think about today, now the narrative of, Police, inner city communities, body cameras, politics, all of these things that pop up now. From a communications standpoint, take us through how that changes your life. okay? because if there is, for instance, um, 
video of something. Yeah. And I, I can almost not use that example based upon what's currently <laughs> going on, but I think I'm not talking about that specific one. But there, there is a larger context yes. to interaction. Whether the officer is wrong mm-hmm. or the, the, the person they're confronting is wrong, but before you say something, you have got to go through checks and balances, correct? Yes. What that, are they? Well, there, obviously, there are certain state laws. And when it comes to discussing um, an incident that we're involving an officer uh, who may receive discipline. Sure. Um, obviously, he's a civil servant, so he is uh, protected by certain civil service laws. Mm-hmm. And so we really, uh, usually, I mean, I'm going to advise the chief or whoever at that point not to discuss it because what can happen if they do discuss it is that um, they might release some piece of information that that, um, could help say, uh, this is just obviously um, not concerning a situation, but say an officer had to be terminated, Mm -hmm. that officer has a right to appeal that termination to the Civil Service Board. So if the chief or anybody in administration comes out and says something in regards to that, um, and he, he says something that he, he may not should have said, um, then that officer could maybe use that to get that, um, that termination overturned. Right. Um, or can file some type of lawsuit. Um, so we, we, that's why whenever a situation like that arises, we, we don't come out and say a whole lot. And unfortunately, that hurts us, especially if there's a civil suit or something else that's going on. Um, the public might perceive that as you know, they're not talking about it. They're guilty. Yeah. But that's not the case. It's just that our, our hands are kind of tied. It's just the way that it works. Yeah, unfortunately, our hands are tied in those yeah. situations. So uh, all we can do, and like uh, the situation is the chief will release a, a statement um, of a concern in the incident. And, and obviously, he's going to go out and, and meet with community leaders uh, to, to reassure them that, that he's doing what needs to be done uh, in, in those particular cases to make sure that justice is served. And in both cases, in the you know case of the individual that was may have been arrested or abused or the case of the officer, you know, we want to make sure that it's fair and impartial. You know, the, the most unfortunate thing about this narrative to me mm-hmm. is that emotion is so in the center of it. And, and I guess I can understand it to a small degree, but in the, in the police department and police departments, I'm sure around the country, I believe the vast majority of officers are men and women who go to work every day just to do their jobs. I also believe in these inner city communities where there's great poverty. I believe the majority of the people there are not criminals. They're going to work. They just want everything that all of the rest of us want. That's right. But we can never even get to the place where we can talk about how do we solve what's broken because people are screaming and name calling at one another. And I'm I'm less than confident we're going to come to a conclusion because I don't see a place where that stops because an out of context, anything on either side is spun out of control. And, you know, that's uh, uh, social media can often be a cesspool of misinformation. Yes. And it's it's a shame. And so that's kind of it's like the two sides have more in common than than anything. And that's that's the same for any community. There's crime in poor communities. There's crime in wealthy communities. 
Okay. And there are no, there's no 100% perfect police department, just like there's no 100% perfect church or school or whatever. That's right. And I, it's a shame because I just think we don't pay attention to what kids are hearing with what we are saying. Yeah. And they're beginning to, they form opinions based upon the adults around them. Very early on. Very early. And that's and, a shame. And, and I know a lot of officers don't like it when, when parents will walk by with their kids and they'll say, you know, you see, if you do bad, that police officer, he's going <laughs> to take you away. You know, that's not what you want. That, Brother that, in my house, <laughs> I'm the law. <laughs> right. You yeah. Want, so you they're, they're not sure worried about you, the cop coming to yeah, do anything. If, you want to make sure you want to tell your kids if yeah. something bad happens to you, go to that police officer. Mm-hmm, don't, mm-hmm. don't feel scared or don't run away from him. So, Well, listen, we appreciate this. And I know when there is a conclusion to that thing that happened, I'd like to get you to come back and talk about that sure. because uh, in, I'm sure there will be a discussion about it in one form or another. And, uh, and you know, good luck with your plans down the road. <laughs> <laughs> Don't put words in my mouth. <laughs> No, but I think, you know, it's funny, though. I, I think if you're going to do what you do, why not aspire, Obviously, you know, to the, to, the top, to the top job? I mean, I don't know that anybody would be surprised by that. You know, I think right. there are lots of men and women serving in the department now who hope to one day oh, yeah. sit in that chair and there's in that a lot office. of good guys. There are a lot of good guys, males and females, who would do a good job at, at, at the chief's job. Very nicely done right there. (laughs) Lieutenant Johnny Dunham. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Podcasts have become a great way to get radio on demand. If you've wanted your own podcast, the time to call us is now. This year, Podcast 225 will be launching new shows and yours can be one of them. You won't have to build your own website and you'll be able to use professional broadcast equipment that will make your show sound amazing. If you'd like to know more, call 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Be a part of the on-demand audio movement today. Hi, I'm Taya Kyle. I'm so happy to announce that the third annual Smoke 'em If You Got 'em fundraiser will be benefiting the Chris Kyle Frog Foundation. This year's event will take place on Sunday, May 15th at Bin 77 Bistro in Baton Rouge. And the title sponsor is Orion Instruments. That's Sunday, May 15th at Bin 77 Bistro in Baton Rouge. Doors open at 4 and the event starts at 5. You can buy tickets online at chriskylefrogfoundation.org or you can buy them at the door. This is the Clay Young Show on Podcast225.com. All right, Lieutenant Dunham, not really wanting to talk a whole lot about being police chief. And again, (laughs) he's not throwing anybody under the bus. And as we said in the show, I would imagine there are lots of people who are police officers who see themselves years down the road, hopefully having the top job. And why wouldn't you? you Of course, you want to reach for the top. All right, so this Sunday, Orlando, smoke them if you got them. I'm so excited. I am as I'm well. I'm really just hoping the weather is going to be good. So really. far, so good. You know, Jay Grimes you know is supposed can, to be there. You can say that, but come on, it's Louisiana. They can say no chance of rain, and then by two o'clock, it's pouring down. Come on now. Good vibes. Good vibes. I'm you, trying, but I'm being realistic. She's killing our vibes over here. She's killing our vibes I'm just over saying, here. Killing the vibes. It's Louisiana. So we got a long list of auction items that we mentioned uh, to you earlier in the show. You know, we've got a. Bruce Springsteen signed album that's framed. Uh, let's see here. We've got uh, Jimmy Buffett tribute autographed framed uh, display. We've got an Abraham Lincoln replica of a signed check by the former president and just a host of other items. Again, 
tickets to an event in Vegas. Vegas, in addition to coolers and all of these things, trips, hunting trips that you'll be able to take advantage of, all just because you came to smoke them. And Bobby D'Angelo will be there with flags that you can hang in your house. And you're house supporting and you're a great cause. Supporting That's the a fantastic thing. Cr- a cause. The Chris Kyle Frog Foundation. You can buy your tickets at the door yes. or you can log on to Chris Frog, Chris Kyle Frog Foundation.org and get your tickets online. Yes, sir. So on the next show, we will be able to report back about how Smoke'em went. We're expecting and everything to go well. And how much money we did. Yes. Hoping to break the record. $10,000 the first year. 12000 last year. We're shooting for twenty this year. Let's do it. Let's get her done. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Don't forget, hit that subscribe button. And you can leave a comment on iTunes about the show. We always love to get feedback. You can also email me directly at the Podcast 225 site. Download the Talk 107.3 mobile app. It's a free app, and you can get our show there in addition to the great shows on that station. And, of course, you can listen to us on podcast225.com. And, again, uh, thanks to everyone who worked with us to make this event possible. possible. And all we have to do now over the coming days is to get it done and have a great time and raise money for this great cause. Definitely. All right. Until next time, you can catch The Clay Young Show on iTunes, the Talk 107.3 mobile app, and podcast225.com. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.